Did you see what happened in Loudoun County this week? Parents are rebelling against the critical race theory and the transgender ideology that is being taught to their children in public schools. Plus, the Supreme Court punts again on two critical cases, contrary to the headlines, actually. These were not wins for anybody, certainly not religious people in our nation. But the Supreme Court does have a new kind of interesting three-way divide now. We're going to talk about that today. And Democrats in the House of Representatives are threatening the Catholic Church if the church doesn't allow politicians who support abortion to receive the Eucharist. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. Things are getting hot in the fight against critical race theory in our public schools, and we're going to talk about what happened in Loudoun County in just a second. But first, let's talk about Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by either weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you are not alone. There is a solution that you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Nutrafol is physician formulated to be 100% drug-free. Who doesn't love that? They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective dosages so that you get the most reliable results. You can visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are unique to your hair's needs. No matter your stage in life, Nutrafol has a solution whether you're experiencing hair loss due to stress, diet, overstyling, or environmental toxins. In a clinical study, 86% of women did report improved hair growth after six months. That's why more than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. When you subscribe, you'll receive automatic monthly delivery so that you never miss a dose. Okay, did you see what happened in Loudoun County, Virginia this week? Holy moly. First of all, what is exactly happening? What is it that is going on there? There's a battle raging in Loudoun County, Virginia, between parents and the school board over critical race theory and the transgender ideology that is being taught to young children in the public schools there. There's a recall effort uh, underway for the school board members who are not listening to the parents' desires when it comes to the curriculum being taught to their children. And so the parents are not taking this sitting down. They are fighting back for the minds of their kids. That's what's at stake here. The minds of children, the minds of the future generation of Americans. So the policies, um, the trans, we know what critical race theory is. We talk about that often on this show. But the transgender policies that are being implemented or imposed on Loudoun County students, it, it's the typical stuff. You know, bathroom stuff, locker room stuff, privacy stuff. Um, it forces teachers to use a student's preferred name or pronoun, uh, which arguably is a violation of teachers' rights as well, but certainly not what parents in Loudoun County want their children being taught. So in this most recent school board meeting, 259 residents signed up to speak. 259. This, I mean, people were lined up outside of the doors. In the end, though, only 51 of the 259 who signed up were actually allowed to speak. And here's why. So the first six, I believe, speakers supported the policy proposal. But then when a seventh speaker, who said that she was the mother of a transgender student in the Loudoun County School District, um, got up to the podium, uh, she said there was hate, quote, and this is a quote from her, dripping from the followers of Jesus in this room. 
And after she said that, insulting every Christian parent in that room, hate dripping from the followers of Jesus, the, the room essentially erupted. Okay, the school board had to call a five-minute recess just to get everyone to calm down, to cool off. After the recess, uh, the board said that if it was going, if this public eruption happened again, then they were going to end public comment. Well, that ended up happening because a former state senator, his name is Dick Black, he essentially excoriated, he condemned the school board for treating a teacher named Tanner Cross. Tanner Cross was suspended after speaking against the transgender policies. Uh, he excoriated the school board and said that this was just all progressive politics. So, of course, the parents who oppose these policies cheered when this former Republican state senator made his speech. And so the board voted, because of those cheers, voted to end public comment. That's why only 51 people out of 259 got to say their piece. Everyone did not get to say their piece because this school board is acting like a tyrannical authoritarian board. They're not acting as partners of the people. In fact, two people attending this meeting were arrested. This is what a, what a crazy raucous this was. Two people were arrested, one for trespassing. These were parents, by the way. One for trespassing because he refused to leave after the meeting until all the parents spoke. So perhaps that's a noble reason for that arrest. And then another one was arrested for threatening behavior. Now I have to say, if this was actually, if he was actually threatening anybody, then shame on, shame on him. That's not helpful to the cause. That's not right. And maybe he deserved arrest. Um, but the first one refused to leave because all of the parents had not been given their space to speak here. So this is, this is a pretty crazy thing. We've seen across the country parents trying to take over school boards, taking back school boards from bureaucrats, teacher, teachers, unions-inspired bureaucrats who want to indoctrinate their children. And this is, we see it kind of coming to a head in Loudoun County, right? And so when we watch these videos, when we see what's happening, this is what we should draw from this. First of all, radical leftists despise you. They ridicule you. They don't want you to believe what you believe. We heard that in the transgender ideology from this woman who was speaking out in support of the transgender ideology. Hate dripping from the followers of Jesus in this room. They despise you. They ridicule you. They want to indoctrinate and brainwash your children against you and your religion and your beliefs. So you as a parent, you must know at all times what is in the curriculum, what is being poured into your child's mind. Our children's minds are like sponges. They soak up whatever they're told especially at the elementary school level. You must know what's in that curriculum being poured into your child's mind. So fight against the teachers' unions because the teachers' unions want progressive policies in the curriculum being taught to your children. Take over the school boards. Run for school board yourself. Support candidates who are explicitly against critical race theory and transgender ideology and revisionist history and everything else progressive and poisonous. But here's the really important thing. Homeschool your children if you possibly can. Take them out of public school. It shouldn't even be called public school. It should be called government-run school. Homeschool your children if you possibly can. Save your children from public school. Government bureaucrats should not be the ones teaching your child, pouring, brainwashing ideology, this poisonous ideology of the left into your child's head. And the way, by the way, to actually get rid of this indoctrination in public schools once and for all. Yes, it's important when parents confront school board members. Yes, it's important when parents try to hold teachers and school administrators accountable. It's even important when parents run for local and state, either Department of Education or school board positions. All of that is important, yes. 
But there is one way that we can get rid of radical leftist indoctrination in public schools once and for all. School choice. School choice is the best, quickest way to eradicate all of this. Whether it's the 1619 Project, whether it's teaching kindergartners they can be transgender, whatever it may be, the best way is to have a school, a voucher program, where children go to a school and the money goes with the child. The money doesn't go directly to the school, it comes with the child. So if a school then is indoctrinating a child, the parent can go to the school and say, I'm not only removing my child from the school because we're not required to go here based on our zip code, I'm taking my child's money with me. And if enough parents take their children and their children's money away from that school, then the school's left with two options. Either they can course correct, they can stop indoctrinating children, they can stop brainwashing with radical leftist ideology, or the market forces will dictate that that school has to close. So the best way, the quickest way to eradicate leftist ideology from public schools is school choice. I know that I've been hammering this topic for years now because in and of itself, it's not a sexy policy position per se. It's not, it's not interesting to talk about if zip codes dictate education, yada, yada, yada. But it is one of the most powerful tools against the radical left taking over our cultural institutions. Because whoever controls the institutions controls children's minds. Whoever controls children's minds controls the destiny and the future of our country. So take it back. Don't just say no to critical race theory being taught in schools. Don't just, don't just say no to transgender ideology. Take back control of what is taught. And the way to take that back is through school choice, to make sure that parents are active participants, partners, that they have power over their child's education. It's either that, or remember Terry McAuliffe, former governor of, of Virginia, now running for governor again in Virginia, he says, Parental concerns over critical race theory being taught in public schools is a conspiracy theory. So either take back the schools or that's what you have to deal with. Okay, speaking of safety and security, there are a lot of things you search for online. I know I, a lot of things I search for online that aren't anybody's business. So let's talk about ExpressVPN. If you're searching for a security system for your home, if you're searching for guns that you don't want the government to be tracking, you don't want private companies to be tracking, you don't want anybody to know. It's nobody's business. Not only do they track every website that you ever visit, even if you're in incognito mode, even if you clear your browsing history, they sell that information to ad companies. Again, double creepy. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. And I encourage you to do that too. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider cannot see the sites you visit. They also keep all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. All you have to do is tap one button and you are protected. So protect your online activity today with ExpressVPN. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Liz, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Liz. Express vpn.com slash Liz to learn more. Protect yourself when you're online. Protect your family. It's what I do. Use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN.com slash Liz. Okay, let's talk about what's happening at the Supreme Court right now. Two cases have been ruled on recently, and they were ruled very narrowly. So what I mean by narrowly is I mean the headlines didn't match the reality of what these cases really are, what these cases mean to the precedent. Okay, and precedent's very important because if there's a ruling that doesn't have precedent, it only applies to that specific case versus 
If it's a broader ruling, then that ruling can be applied to cases similar to that that might come down the line. These two cases were ruled very narrowly. I'm not a huge fan of narrow rulings in situations such as these, and I'm going to break down why. So the first one pertains to the Catholic foster agencies. The case was Fulton via City of Philadelphia. So again, this was portrayed as a smackdown because the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Catholic foster agency, but it wasn't really a smackdown. It's actually the Supreme Court kicking the can down the road because it was so narrow that there was essentially no precedent set here that would protect the religious liberty of other religious people, particularly Christians in our country. This is what I mean. The ruling from the Supreme Court did not overturn a previous precedent in the case of Employment Division Department of Human Resources of Oregon versus Smith. This case is colloquially known as Smith. Under Smith, laws that, quote, incidentally burden religion would survive constitutional scrutiny, quote, so long as they are neutral and generally applicable, end quote. I don't like that. I think that's incorrect precedent because of this question. Where's that exemption in the Constitution? Where's the exemption to no laws respecting religion or the free exercise thereof? There's not a caveat to the First Amendment that says, well, it can burden religion as long as they're applied neutrally, generally neutrally. There's no exemption in the Constitution for that. There aren't to be laws that burden the free exercise of religion, period. There's no exemption to that. So this is where it gets very interesting. Because as I said, the justices in general ruled in a very narrow sense, but there seemed to be a divide among the conservative justices on whether this should be a narrow ruling or whether this should be a broader ruling that perhaps overturned Smith and set precedent protecting religious liberty. This is what I mean. I want to explain it a little further. As I said, I think that they should have overturned Smith. However, Amy Coney Barrett, Justice Barrett, Justice Kavanaugh, and Justice Breyer expressed some hesitation about reversing or overturning Smith because it was precedent. Not necessarily. They didn't say they thought it was correct, but because it was precedent, they seemed hesitant to reverse it. But Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas, they all said that Smith should be overturned. It should be overruled. So let's back up and look at this case for a second and see how Smith would apply to it, why Smith should be overturned, and why this narrow ruling is a disappointment from the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court did rule, and this was a unanimous ruling actually, that the city of Philadelphia violated the free exercise rights, the freedom of religion, of Catholic social services. This is because the city failed to renew Catholic social services contract because this charity would not license foster parents if they are in a same-sex relationship. This is what the majority ruling from the Supreme Court said. Catholic Social Services believes that marriage is a sacred bond between a man and a woman, and because the agency understands the certification of prospective foster families to be an endorsement of their relationships, it will not certify unmarried couples regardless of their sexual orientation or same-sex married couples. So this might be reminiscent of the Jack Phillips Masterpiece Cake Shop um, ruling because this doesn't have to do with the individuals themselves, meaning it doesn't have to do with their sexual orientation. It has to do with the activity they're participating in. In this case, a gay relationship or a gay marriage. Because Catholic Social Services, while they won't 
place foster children with same-sex couples because of the activity those two individuals are participating in. They will certify either gay or lesbian individuals as single foster parents. And they also, of course, place gay and lesbian children in foster homes. So it's the activity that they object to on religious grounds, not the individual and not the sexual orientation of the individual. Now, this is something. The Catholic Social Services has been doing this, being active in the foster care system in the city of Philadelphia for the past half century, 50 years. Nobody who was in a same-sex relationship went to Catholic Social Services and was turned away, not once. Not a single time. So nobody could even argue that they were hurt by the viewpoint of Catholic Social Services by their policy. In fact, Catholic Social Services said that had a same-sex couple come to their charity, then what they would have done is they would have referred that couple to, I believe there were 20 other agencies in the city of Philadelphia that do certify same-sex couples. So nobody would have had their rights or their privilege to be a foster parent deprived or denied. So you might be asking, well, if no, if no couple, if no people were claiming to be hurt by Catholic social services, religious beliefs, and how they would apply it to the licensing of foster parents, then how did this even happen? Who even brought this all the way to the Supreme Court? And that's a great question. In 2018, there was a newspaper story that quoted the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and the Archdiocese made this position public at that time. Again, Catholic social services had been practicing in this city for the past 50 years. So this was not a new policy whatsoever. But the Archdiocese of Philadelphia said that they would not certify same-sex couples as foster parents. It was only at that time when the city, who had not known that this had been existing policy for the past 50 years, learned about this policy, that something proverbial hit the fan. So what happened is the commissioner of the Department of Human Services then went to Catholic Social Services, and the commissioner essentially told them that their religion was wrong. He said, quote, things have changed since 100 years ago, and told them how to be Catholic. He said it would be great if we followed the teachings of Pope Francis, the voice of the Catholic Church. Well, obviously this commissioner is an utter ignoramus when it comes to Catholic teaching, because the Pope, the Pope doesn't declare doctrine. The Pope has no power to change the doctrine of the Catholic Church. He can voice his pastoral opinion, but he cannot change church teaching. Okay, so after this meeting happened where this commissioner in the city of Philadelphia attempted to uh, tell Catholics, he attempted to act as the Pope, if you will, and tell Catholics how to practice their religion, what happened? Well, coincidentally, the department stopped referring all children to Catholic social services, and what's even worse, they then refused to renew the contract with Catholic Social Services. So all of a sudden, this foster agency that had been working in the city for 50 years, helping underprivileged children, placing foster children in foster homes, wasn't allowed to do their good work anymore because this commissioner thought he knows, thinks he knows more about Catholic doctrine than this charity does. So fast forward to the Supreme Court. All nine justices said that the city of Philadelphia violated the free exercise clause of the United States Constitution. It is a win for Catholic social services. There's no doubt about that. It is a win for that specific 
particular agency, and I'm very happy for them. It's obviously the right decision. However, I agree with Justice Samuel Alito, who noted he wrote a concurrence, and he said, quote, the decision might as well be written on a dissolving paper sold in magic shops. Why is that? We'll go back to the beginning. Because it's narrow, it doesn't overturn Smith, it only applies to this specific case. So this is not a precedent-setting ruling. It does not protect the religious liberty of any other Christian business or nonprofit or charity in the United States or individual in the United States. And it should, because there's no caveat in the Constitution that says, yeah, you can be discriminated against, you can have a burden placed on your practice of religion as long as it's applied neutrally. Now, Justice Roberts focused on that neutral application of discrimination. A neutral application of discrimination. Actual protection of religious liberty would have overturned Smith. But this middle wing of the court, and this is a very, very interesting discussion that we are about to embark on, the middle wing of the court refused to do that. So individually, it was a win, sure, perhaps temporarily, not for Christians across America, no precedent. And Alito, Alito, and this is leading into um, a very interesting thought experiment, I suppose, not even thought experiment, observation of the Supreme Court. Justice Alito seemed extremely angry, righteously indignant, I should say, about this ruling. He said, and I quote, after receiving more than 2,500 pages of briefing and after more than a half year of post-argument cogitation, the court has emitted a wisp of a decision that leaves religious liberty in a confused and vulnerable state. Those who count on this court to stand up for the First Amendment have every right to be disappointed, as am I. That's a pretty significant, in my opinion, significant smackdown directed right at Chief Justice Roberts because he won't do anything to upset precedent. Similarly, before we get to this division in the court, similarly, the second case that I wanted to touch on is obviously the Obamacare case. The Supreme Court ruled that Texas and eight, eight, 18 states total don't have standing to sue, don't have standing to claim that Obamacare violates our constitutional rights. This, this is mind-blowing to me. The people in these states are hurt by Obamacare. That's what gives you standing to sue. Are you hurt? Are your constitutional rights violated? Yes, you have standing. No, maybe you don't. How do 18 states impacted by this not have standing? The argument, by the way, in this case was very solid. If the ACA, Obamacare, individual mandate penalty was constitutional, it must be a tax. That's what Roberts told us a dozen years ago. But the argument in this case was, how could that penalty be a tax when the monetary penalty, the monetary part of the penalty was removed? And it was. So the argument was, therefore, it can't be a tax if it's not an actual tax. Therefore, forcing Americans to purchase something or face a penalty is unconstitutional. And this is Alito again. Alito is on fire. He says, and I quote, no one can fail to be impressed by the lengths to which this court has been willing to go to defend the ACA against all threats. A penalty is a tax. The United States is a state and 18 states who bear costly burdens under the ACA cannot even get a foot in the door to raise a constitutional challenge. Fans of judicial inventiveness will applaud once again, but I must respectfully dissent, end quote. I love it. I love it. Alito's leadership 
here is amazing. So why do these cases matter beyond themselves is also an important question. It's enormously important because the Supreme Court will be taking up an abortion-related case in the fall, and the abortion-related case has to then look at Roe v. Wade. So we're going to be looking at precedent. If we have a wing of the court who is unwilling or hesitant, skeptical of overturning precedent, then that's bad news for this abortion-related case because the goal, of course, would be to overturn Roe v. Wade. What is more important? Precedent? even when it's wrong, perhaps unconstitutional, or correcting incorrect precedent, even when it means overturning said precedent? To me, the answer seems very simple. It should be most important to apply the Constitution, and if and when, because this does happen, if there's precedent that's unconstitutional, it's the responsibility, it's the duty of the justices to overturn the incorrect precedent, even if that does, yes, have cascading effects because it's been used in rulings before. You still, your primary responsibility, your primary loyalty is to the Constitution, not to precedent. So that's where this new division in the court that I mentioned seems to lie. It's not really a matter of conservative justices versus liberal justices right now. It's actually three to three to three. There's a new division. So when I say three to three to three, we have Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, the liberals. We have then Roberts, Kavanaugh and Barrett, who seem to be this middle ground where, sure, some of their jurisprudence leans conservative, we'll say, but they're very hesitant to overturn any precedent. And then we have Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch who are acting as Supreme Court justices ought to act, putting the Constitution first, and scorching the other justices for not doing their job. Reportedly, according to Politico, Justice Alito is ticked off because that group of three, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, are ruling essentially like cowards. Not his word, my word. This is what I don't get on those three, Kavanaugh, Roberts, and Amy Coney Barrett, which I hope this is not how she's going to act on the Supreme Court, but this is what I don't understand. If you don't want to be a leader in history, then why would you accept a Supreme Court nomination to begin with? It's never going to be an uncontroversial position. Your rulings are never going to satisfy everyone. They're always going to come at a time fraught with emotion about an issue that's very polarizing and somebody is going to be very unhappy with your ruling. So if you're worried about being popular, why would you accept a Supreme Court nomination? If your loyalty is to validation versus loyalty to the Constitution, why are you here? So this is what to watch. Watch that three to three to three division because if I'm correct, if this analysis is correct, that these three, Roberts and Kavanaugh and Barrett, are hesitant to overturn precedent, then this fall, the Supreme Court, this abortion case that they're going to see, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a total mess. Okay, speaking of communication with each other, were we speaking of that? If you have been following me over the last year, you know that I have been censored time and time again by both Facebook and YouTube. They demonetize my videos. They restrict my reach. And I don't want big tech to control my ability to communicate important stories to you. So I partnered with Locals to create a censorship-free community. Locals is a platform launched by free speech fanatic Dave Rubin. I'm pretty sure that's his favorite title, by the way. And it's a place where we can share the unfiltered, unapologetic truth about the mainstream media and the left's lies without the fear of being shut down by the corporate overlords. I'm inviting you today, therefore, to become a Liz Wheeler Show VIP. I have a ton of exciting new things coming up. I'm going to be asking my VIPs regularly for their opinions and feedback. I already do that. If you're a Locals VIP, you know this. 
I'm also going to be sharing behind the scenes looks at my show, the research filling process. We talk on a regular basis. We do question and answers, interview segments. Uh, It's a ton of fun. Episodes free of ads, also a huge benefit. The monthly subscription is $9, but if you really want a good deal, you can sign up for the annual option right now for just $72. That's four months free. So come support the show. Let's get to know each other. Become a Liz Wheeler Show VIP today at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Okay, next segment is an update on something we talked about yesterday, and that would be Joe Biden supporting abortion as a Catholic who wants to receive the Eucharist. We went through why this is wrong. It is wrong because Catholic doctrine forbids abortion as a grave moral evil, a mortal sin. Joe Biden actively pushes abortion politically. Therefore, he's in direct violation of Catholic doctrine. When one is in, when a Catholic is in mortal sin, one cannot receive the Eucharist until or unless you have been absolved of that sin. So the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, who are creating a statement, guidance they call it, on how pro-abortion politicians should be treated, meaning can they receive the Eucharist or can they not, they should easily put Joe Biden in his place. He obviously should be denied the Eucharist until he goes to confession and publicly changes his way. You can't just go to confession and go right back to doing what you were doing. You have to change your ways. Now, because the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is creating this guidance, this document about whether Democrat politicians, pro-abortion politicians can receive the Eucharist, Democrats are accusing conservatives and the Catholic Church of weaponizing the Eucharist. Far from it. Far from it. The truth is far from it. In fact, we are protecting our doctrine, our theology. We are following our faith. We are not trying to bend theology to suit our political agenda. No, no. That would be the Democrats who are trying to bend theology, coerce theology to suit their own political agenda. If you want to know who's playing politics with the Eucharist, then take a look at this tweet. This is from Representative Jared Huffman. He is a Democrat, obviously, out of California. Shocker. This is what he tweeted. He said, quote, if they, and he's talking about the Catholic Church, if they are going to politically weaponize religion by rebuking Democrats who support women's reproductive choice, then a rebuke of their tax-exempt status may be in order, end quote. So let me get this straight. If your church doesn't align their theology with your radical leftist ideology, then your right to practice your religion should be punished by the state? That's what this Democrat essentially is saying, that Catholic Church should lose their tax-exempt status if they enforce their theology on the members of their church just because those members of the church are in the public eye, claiming to be Catholic, by the way, while flagrantly violating the doctrine of the church. The radical left hates you. They are coming for your rights. They don't want you to be allowed to believe and practice your faith as you see fit. No, no. They demand fealty to their poisonous ideology, their religion, Marxism, communism, and totalitarianism. We see the evidence every day right before our eyes. And this is just another example of it. And now it is time for my favorite part of the show, the five stories the mainstream media refused to report to you. So I will. Story number one, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. He is a Democrat from the state of Rhode Island. He reportedly belongs to a white's only country club. Did you even know that existed anymore in modern America? A whites only country club. First of all, very important to note, he is a Democrat. Second of all, are you kidding me? Racist much? 
Why, why would you, and I'm, I'm talking directly to the senator here, Senator, why would you pay? Why would you give your money to support such a racist organization? Dis- discriminating against people of color. Who doesn't allow people of color into their country club? And by the way, where are the anti-racist Democrats? And I put that in quote unquote, of course. Where are these anti-racist activists, these radical leftist activists condemning this behavior? Can you imagine for one second if this were a Republican senator? People of Rhode Island, you elected this man. Is this okay with you? This is absolutely shocking. In fact, Senator Whitehouse is most likely trying to hide this from you because he transferred his shares in the club to his wife. His wife is now one of the largest shareholders in this all-white, whites-only club. And listen to the senator's defense. It will cause your jaw to drop. Listen to this. Back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white Bailey's Beach Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now your family's been members, your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that, and I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, Do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously it's been four years. You had remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, Your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. We just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. Oh, okay then. It's a long tradition in Rhode Island. Discrimination, racism. As long as it's a long tradition, then okay. I don't think it's too high of a bar, Senator, to say that you shouldn't be serving in the United States Senate if you belong to a whites-only club. But did the mainstream media report on this? Barely. And nothing compared to if it had been a Republican. Story number two. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill into law that requires high school students in his state to be taught and to learn in public school about the evils of communism. This guy, let me tell you, using public schools to teach civics and to teach patriotism, love of America, that was actually the original goal of public schools. This is also a perfect example of what we've been talking about for weeks now on this show. Ron DeSantis is playing offense in the culture war. He's not just banning critical race theory, which he did, and it's necessary. He's not just pushing school choice, which he did, and that's necessary too. No, no. Ron DeSantis is going on offense, saying we are not only going to ban critical race theory, we are going to teach children what they should know instead. We are going to teach them to be patriots. We are going to educate them in civics so that they know the importance of our government and the evils of communism. This is brilliant. I criticize politicians all the time, and I promise I will never stop doing that on both sides of the aisle. But when a politician does something good, I promise to tell you about it. And this is good, good work from Ron DeSantis, playing offense, just what you like to hear. But did the mainstream media report on this? Did they cheer him? We're all opponents of communism, right? I don't know about the mainstream media because they did not mention it. Story number three, a new report 
shows how human smugglers, human traffickers, trafficking people across the border are using Facebook to do so, essentially to find customers, to find the people that they want to traffic. This report comes from a group called the Tech Transparency Project. They released a report on April 5th of this year that shows how human traffickers are using Facebook. And it doesn't appear, by the way, that Facebook is taking action or effective action against how these traffickers are utilizing Facebook, even though Facebook has been told and shown exactly how uh, the traffickers are using Facebook pages. So there are dozens of pages where traffickers, coyotes, advertise, do you want to go to the United States? We will help you get across the border. Pay us $1,700, one of the pages said, and we'll, we'll get you across the border and into the United States. These pages have tens of thousands of members. There was one that had 44,000 members in it. Anywhere from $1,700 to $5,500, they say, and we will get you across the border. There's even contact information, WhatsApp phone numbers, according to this report from the Tech Transparency Project, maps, routes, directions, the cost, discount codes even. There's also, importantly, misinformation being peddled in these groups, promising these migrants easy asylum, misrepresenting the American immigration system to make it look easy to come into the United States and then stay here. And by the way, this goes back to what I said a long time ago, that illegal immigration is an industry. It's not just people coming here for a better life. I'm sure there are people that do that, but it's an industry. These coyotes make money off of it. The cartels make money from the coyotes who pay them a tax to go through their property, go through their territory. It's good for the coyotes and good for the cartels, the drug cartels, when there is a booming illegal immigration business. They advertise it. This is not haphazard. This is run like clockwork. Well, according to the Tech Transparency Project's website, after they released this report in last April, they contacted Facebook and showed evidence of, I believe, 50 groups like this, obviously violating Facebook's terms of service. Yet, two months later, 19 of those 50 pages were still in operation. This seems like a pretty serious thing that's happening on Facebook, but did the mainstream media report this to you? No, no. No, no, they did not. Story number four, a social media influencer who has 26 million followers. Man, I thought I was popular until you see this. 26 million followers. He's, he's from Spain, actually, and his primary social media platform is TikTok. His name is Naim Derechi. He's 19 years old. He's a musician and author of a book. And surprisingly, he's very pro-life. He said in a video that he posted to his 26 million followers, he said, and I quote, an abortion is interrupting a life. When a woman is pregnant, if she doesn't take anything, if she doesn't abort, the natural cycle is going to make a life emerge. He then goes on to debunk one of the arguments from the pro-abortion left that says, well, the unborn baby can't feel anything at that point. He said, but here one of the biggest arguments of the people who are in favor of abortion, which is no, but the fetus does not suffer. That is something that has nothing there. It, it does not suffer. He said, here the question is not whether he suffers or not. The question here is that a life is being taken. He said abortion should not be legal or free, period, because it is killing someone. He also said if his girlfriend were to become pregnant unexpectedly, he said, quote, I would be a father without hesitation. You give me a child and I'll fall in love with it. Giving life to someone and on top of having the responsibility of educating him and being able to teach and guide him is the most beautiful and most precious thing in the world. This 
I mean, this gives me chills. This teenage boy influencer on TikTok of all places to 26 million followers spoke reality, spoke the truth. But did the mainstream media report on this? No, they didn't. Even though it's a very worthwhile story. It's a very big deal because it's not very common for that to happen. Story number five. This one is shocking. The American Medical Association is now advocating for people, patients, to be treated differently medically based on the color of their skin. Can you imagine? The American Medical Association, this is the biggest group of physicians in our country, by the way. They are adopting what they're calling an equity plan. So critical race theory rears its ugly head again. The American Medical Association said that their research methods will, quote, be informed by social epidemiology and critical race theory. They admit it. It's not me inferring it. They say the words. Recognizing that deep-rooted structural and social drivers of health. They say we must adopt collaborative and participatory approaches and ensure that we use the theories, intersectionality, critical race theory, et cetera, tools and approaches that allow us to consistently identify, elevate, and work with marginalized groups in any spaces. This is where it gets really scary. The American Medical Association says that they commit to, quote, expand medical school and physician education to include equity, anti-racism, structural competency, public health and social sciences, critical race theory, and historical basis of diseases. So let's pause there for one second. The American Medical Association wants to teach critical race theory in medical school. Can you even imagine if your doctor treated you based on the color of your skin and not the medical issue that you're suffering from? Also, by the way, denying people care based on skin color is discrimination, illegal under the law, the 14th Amendment, and the Civil Rights Act. But did the mainstream media report on this, on the American Medical Association? No, they did not. So I will. Well, you can hear it for yourself. The great and powerful Jay Hay, my producer, is telling me that we are out of time. We will have more next week. If you missed this week's episode, Victoria's Secret Goes Woke and the Black Lives Matter agenda is leading to the death of black Americans, please go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to The Liz Wheeler Show, download the episodes, give us a five-star rating and a glowing review. I appreciate that if you would do that. In the meantime, think for yourself. Use critical thought. Question authority. Follow the facts. And don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Stephen Reyes. Assistant Editor, Michael Wall. Assistant Editor, Tommy Weber. Sound Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-Production Manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. And Production Assistant, Mickey Pisani. This has been a Soundfront production.